welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Luke. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a lot about the Christmas season that I love. I love Christmas cookies. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas socks. I love Christmas parties. Last week was the church staff Christmas party. It was hosted by Paul and Janice Phillips and and Joe Jordan, who joined the church staff a few months ago, dressed in a velour tracksuit, green and red, with a sequined reindeer on the back. I loved it. I love Christmas. But it's not quite Christmas yet. December 25th is still days away. And here at First Presbyterian Church, we are in the season of Advent. Advent is a time of preparation for what's coming, marked by this Advent wreath. Today on that wreath, we lit the candle of joy. And so today we anticipate the coming of joy, for with Jesus comes joy. Think with me about joy. How would it be different if we lit the candle of contentment or cheerfulness or happiness? To me, there is a difference between joy and happiness. Something about joy seems more resilient, whereas happiness comes and happiness goes. For example, I remember one night where I felt joy, although I didn't have very much to be happy about. Let me tell you more about it. I was on my way to my bachelor party in Charleston, South Carolina. Some college friends had put it together a couple weeks before our wedding date. The day of the party, I had to work, so I I couldn't get on the road to Charleston from Atlanta until after my shift at the lawn maintenance company I was working for had ended. Late at night, I was on a lonesome stretch of interstate between Columbia and Charleston. Along the road, I noticed my car having a little trouble shifting gears, but I had a party to get to, so I pressed on without stopping. Well, at some point along that dark, solitary road, I regretted that decision. 
For out in the middle of nowhere, I was stepping on the gas while the car was slowing down. Coming to a stop on the shoulder of the road, I cut the engine, then tried to get going again to no avail. The car would not go into gear. The transmission was shot. Not knowing what else to do in that age before cell phones, I just started walking in the cowboy boots that I always wore. Even though I'd never been on a, a horse at that time, I wore cowboy boots all the time. Walking down the interstate, a few cars zoomed past, but it was so late there, there wasn't much traffic. I walked two miles and my feet were hurting so badly that I stopped to wrap my feet in my undershirt. I made it seven miles before I found a payphone, called a tow truck company who agreed to pick up the car. Only when I asked if they could pick me up, then the car, the woman on the other end said, it's a tow truck, sir, not a taxi cab. So I walked another mile or so to a cheap hotel and decided to find a way out of this situation after a good night's sleep. I did not go to bed that night happy, and I've rarely worn cowboy boots since. <laughs> I went to bed that night and my feet were bleeding. I didn't really know where I was. I had completely missed my bachelor party, but I went to bed that night with joy in my heart because regardless of whether I made it or not to my bachelor party, I was going to get married to Sarah. There's a difference, you see, between happiness and joy. Happiness comes and happiness goes. I feel happy when everything in my life is going my way. When it's not, happiness evaporates. Therefore, I say that Mary did not sing because she was happy. For what in her life was going her way? Friends, we are a well-established, educated church, and so we use a lot of theological words to describe the situation Mary found herself in as our second scripture lesson takes place. To describe the unique circumstance, we call it the virgin birth. Maybe some here have heard the words immaculate conception. This morning, let's overlook the words the theologians use and use real words to describe this situation. For, regardless of how it came to be, Mary was an unwed teenage mother. How do unwed teenage mothers feel? How do people treat unwed teenage mothers? Did Mary plan on becoming an unwed teenage mother? No. And so I say, while there may have been a, a little cause for happiness, let's take a moment to consider why there is so much joy in her song. For Mary sang, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on, generations will call me blessed. She sings with joy, which is so much more than happiness because joy is the gift that God often provides when all the things that we thought would make us happy fall away. 
and the greatest Christmas movies. Joy is what rises from the ashes when the plans go up in flames. Think about Home Alone. Have you seen Home Alone? In the movie Home Alone, Kevin wishes his family to disappear. The next morning, through a series of, of unusual events, his family flies to Paris and leaves him asleep in the attic. At first, this chain of events, which leads to him being left home alone, is exactly what Kevin had wished for. Home alone, he eats what he wants without his mother telling him to eat some more vegetables. He, he watches what he wants without having to compromise with the rest of his family. Being home alone is an exciting adventure until... The pleasure of being home alone wears off because two thieves try to break into his house. So it is with so many of our plans. Happiness is fleeting. Pleasure can wear off while joy. Kevin feels joy when his mother walks through the door and she holds him in her arms. In the same way, think about how the Grinch stole Christmas. No one hopes to have their tree stolen by a tiny-hearted man covered in green fur. But when the Who's down in Whoville find that everything is gone on Christmas morning, what do they do? They sing. Why? Were they happy? Who would be happy to have all their presents stolen? Nobody. Yet joy is something that cannot be stolen. Joy endures through hardship. Joy is what the characters in all our favorite Christmas movies find in the end after everything else has gone wrong. So it is in the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation the turkey is dry. One lady wraps up her cat as a present. Snot the dog gags on a bone under the table and, and cousin Eddie empties the you-know-what in the storm drain. For despite all the hard work, it appears as though what they're going to get some year for Christmas is a subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club or worse because everything keeps on going wrong. Pliny would say that everything in Mary's life had gone wrong. Did she plan on being a single mother? No. And as you look at all your plans that don't turn out the way you'd hope they would, look to Mary this morning. From her comes the reminder that what rises from the ashes, when our plans go up in flames, are the promises of God. By her song, you can tell that Mary knows. She knows that from her shattered plans, the promises of God arise. Mary knows and so she sings, while often what we do is forget. My friends, the last time I preached from this scripture lesson in the Gospel of Luke, Mary's Magnificat, we call it, it was the year 2020. 
That's the way these scripture lessons go. They come back around on a three-year cycle. So the last time I preached on this passage was three years ago, December of 2020. I preached the sermon I wrote that year to an empty great hall not long before Christmas Eve. I remember how weird it felt to be recording and then live streaming a service at Christmas time. I remember how wrong it felt. We wanted so badly to do something for Christmas Eve, so knowing that we couldn't gather a crowd in this room, we planned a candlelight service out under the portico. Do you remember that? You may not remember it because it didn't happen. <laughs> The forecast that Christmas Eve was for the temperature to drop below freezing, and then the meteorologists were predicting rain. I wanted to push on with the plan. Many wanted to push on with the plan, but with a global pandemic plus freezing temperatures, rain was the final straw. What I wanted to happen, what I had planned for, was hitting roadblock after roadblock. It ended with, it ended up being my only Christmas Eve off in years, only I didn't enjoy it in the least because my plans were going up in flames. If only I'd had the faith of Mary who knew that as her plans were going up in flames, the promise of God was arising. Of course, now I can see it. In retrospect, I can see it. Now that we know what live stream can do, I can see it. Back then, we barely knew what live stream even was. Today, as this service streams to retirement communities around Marietta, the, the Cobb County Jail, and into homes in different states, even all the way to Australia, I can see that having a candlelight service out in the freezing cold is nothing compared to reaching the people we are reaching now. Now I know that God's plans were bigger than ours. I was pushing for an outside service in the freezing rain because I was resisting that which I couldn't understand. Anyone else ever like that? Or am I the only one? It can be hard to recognize God's plan when God's plan demands that we abandon our plan. But Mary did it. Mary could see it. What she had is what we call faith. I heard an interview with late night TV host Stephen Colbert the other day. He was being interviewed by journalist Anderson Cooper, who you may know has a podcast all about grief as the two men talked about loved ones they'd lost, Colbert quoted J.R.R. Tolkien, who once wrote, what punishments of God are not gifts? That may be the most important question of all. What punishments of God are not gifts? Always God is at work, but can we see his plans? Can you accept God's plans or are you holding on too tightly to your own? 
To say the same thing that Tolkien said, but in different words, I'll quote my favorite TV show, Ted Lasso. So much of moving on is believing that what we thought happened to us happened for us. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. His birth changes everything. His birth turns our world and our plans upside down. That won't necessarily make us happy. But may it always bring you joy. For his birth changes everything that we would be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia. Or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org. Thank you.